how do you price an ad on your channel? That's probably the most common question we get from other creators. And it was the biggest question we had when we first started on YouTube. So we're hosting a live workshop on how to price yourself. This is everything that we've learned in the past 13 years of being on YouTube and our simple three-step process that'll help you develop concrete pricing. So if you wanna join us for this live session, just go to colinandsamir.com slash live. Enter your email and you'll get all the information about our live event on May 9th. All right, hope you enjoy this episode of The Colin and Samir Show. So last September, Charlie D'Amelio and Dunkin' Donuts collaborated to release a signature drink called the Charlie. Hi, welcome to Dunkin'. Hi, may I please order the Charlie? And a question that we were asking ourselves was, how effective actually is this? And now Dunkin' is doubling down on their partnership with Charlie by releasing the Charlie Cold Foam, which is the same drink, but now it's got foam on top. You've seen the Charlie, but now we've got a remix. It's the Charlie Cold Foam. Sounds like Starbucks might be having some foam o. Hated that. Hated that. Okay. Hated uh, that. <laughs> Hated that. Now, even more interesting is Duncan's strategy with TikTok. They're actually going all in on the platform and turning some of their employees into creators. Hi, guys. My name is Caitlin, and I'm here to announce that I'm an official Duncan TikTok crew ambassador. Like, is Duncan Donuts going to build the next huge TikTok creator? What if they took an employee and they had them collab with Charlie and all of a sudden they have this huge creator on their hands who works for Duncan? But then what if they don't like Duncan and they start talking shit about Duncan? There's a lot of questions. You know what I mean? There's, There's a, lot a lot of lot questions to here. Get into here. A lot to unpack here on this episode of the Colin and Samir show. We saw this first in an article from Business Insider by writer Amanda Pirelli, and we just realized we had to talk about it on the show. All right, what's up, everyone? We are here. This is our audio-only section. This is exclusive to all of you audio listeners who are listening right now. So yeah. first of all, thank you guys. Yeah, if you're listening, you are now part of the Pod Squad. What's up, Pod Squad? So um, a lot of new things happening in the Colin and Samir universe. What's interesting is this episode is going to cover you know, how big companies are interacting with creators and turning their employees into creators and us kind of speculating on what that means. It also happens the other way around where, where creators are now turning into companies and turning into big companies. I think we saw Mr. Beast roll out Finger on the App 2 as a part of his Mr. Beast gaming. And I think it's going to be really interesting to watch him become a mobile game studio and kind of extend what he's doing on YouTube into mobile games. And Colin and I have officially made some hires on our side. Um, keep you guys updated on, on what's happening with us. We... Uh, are actively now working on our newsletter. Yeah, it's really cool. Internally, we're going over uh, versions of the newsletter that, as if we were actually putting them out into the world, but we're writing them, working with our writer and giving notes. It's really cool. Very fun. So our team has built significantly. Like we had an all hands meeting and it was so wild to really look at all these people who are now a part of our company and helping us build products and realize like, what it means to build into this. It's, it's so powerful and so exciting. I have to pinch myself a lot and ask like, whose company is this? Like who's, who's making decisions here? Yeah. And you take a step back and you're like, okay, it's uh, okay. Yeah. That's, that's us. All right. It's really cool. And, and with every product that we make, you know, we did this last year with our course where we brought you guys really into the fold. And I think that's going to happen too, as we, as we roll out this new product, which is a newsletter, it'd be really awesome to have all of your guys' feedback. And so we'll probably release beta lists and keep you guys in the loop for when you can sign up for it. But, you know, our concept is to kind of scale what we're doing on this podcast and on our channel um, of educating and empowering creators and, um, you know, building community around the creator economy. 
um, and doing that through curated news, but doing it in a Colin and Samir way, which is, you know, storytelling, context, perspective, making sure that you understand why we're bringing you these pieces of news on a regular basis. The last thing I'll say before we get into the video version is that you, uh, if you are listening, you can see that we changed our podcast art and it now says the Colin and Samir show. I know we got a couple notes about that on Twitter. So let us know what you think of the new art. We still feel like we need to integrate ourselves into it because right now it's just the logo. So if you have any ideas for kind of like how we could arrange ourselves on that podcast art, let us know. Yeah. And you know, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of things happening in the world right now. You know, the Grammys happened last week. Megan the Stallion song, Savage, won. Were you a fan of that song? Where did this come from? I'm just covering some topical news that I wanted to cover. Uh, I, don't, I don't feel any sort of way about it. Yeah, I don't, I wasn't a, you know, regular listener of Savage, but. I think as, as this episode is like so TikTok focused, it just feels like you weren't a regular listener of that song. You actually also might have not heard that song if it weren't for TikTok, which is how I feel. But now I could recite one section of it. I have no idea the rest of the song. Are you going to recite it? No, I'm not going to recite it, but I think it's an interesting part of TikTok culture of what you mentioned at the top of this episode of that people will get converted into, like could Dunkin' Donuts create the next star if they're on TikTok? Probably. And I'm seeing this, there's this artist named Ty Verdes on TikTok who was an employee at a Verizon store and he was going home and making music TikToks at night. One of his songs exploded and it was called Stuck in the Middle and he quit Verizon and he, he covered the entire experience of being an employee, the anxiety of quitting, going in to tell his boss he was going to do TikTok full time. Like the whole thing was covered on his TikTok and it built this like incredible emotional connection and I started following along. The music's really good. Now he's getting millions of streams on Spotify and he's just a musician Weird to think about being a young creator and considering maybe I should get a job at Dunkin' Donuts or Verizon because they're a huge brand and they have a lot of distribution. And maybe I could just make TikToks about my experience there and people would find that interesting. I mean, I don't know if you've ever fallen upon Starbucks TikTok or like any of the other ones. Where One like, time I fell. Yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> Starbucks TikTok yeah, is super interesting. It's hard to get up. Well, they start taking you through like what unique orders that the employees make for themselves and say like, come into this specific Starbucks and I'll make it for you. That's crazy. <laughs> this is somewhat related, but okay. we're in the audio version. So this is what you get to do. Uh, I went to a Chick-fil-A a couple months ago. You didn't tell me that. Well, I go all the time, honestly. I don't tell you that either. Really? Yeah, it's right next to my house. So. All the time? All the time, yeah, yeah. Sometimes I will just get it by myself just because I really want it. But anyway, going up to order and I order... Uh, you know, a spicy chicken sandwich and the Oreo milkshake. And Are you I, out of I, your mind? You ordered hold on, an hold Oreo on, hold milkshake? On, hold on, wait. And I started, like, guilt was rising a little bit, yeah. you know? And I, I say to the guy who's taking my order, I said, I just had to have it. And he looks at me like, yeah, man, like, that everyone in line just wants, has to have it. That's what they come here for. And I've never felt more like my dad mm. ever in my life than when I said to this guy, I had to have it. Like I had to convince him as to like why I decided to come eat this food that everyone gets. I have a couple of thoughts that yeah, I'm going to yeah. cover here. Um, first is I, out of nowhere, it's weird that you're saying this, but I'd imagine it's going to happen more now is I ended up on uh, Chick-fil-A TikTok last night of people trying to recreate the different sauces. Yeah. Pretty fascinating stuff. 
Yeah, it is. Um, good stuff. Uh, anyway, the second part of it was you got an Oreo milkshake. And today you said to me right before we started recording that you didn't want to get the Charlie at Dunkin' Donuts because it seemed like it was like too crazy. Yeah. It's, uh, but you consumed an Oreo milkshake. I'm, what not, is the, I'm not following. What's the difference between the two? They're both like I think one super is, sugary. One is syrupy and caffeinated. And the other one is uh, ice cream based and delicious. Okay. With some substance, some solids mixed in with the cookies. So yeah, let us know your feedback on the audio experience here when you're listening to the pod. Like, how do you like hearing just our like unfiltered this? thoughts yeah. where we just are really loose? Okay. All right. All right Should we get, get into, into it? The, yeah. Let's get into <laughs> the topic that the title is about. Here we go. So some quick context on Charlie and her relationship with Dunkin' Donuts. Even before she had an official partnership, she was a fan of Dunkin' Donuts. And the head of brand strategy, I think, at Dunkin' Donuts realized this. And on TikTok, when they joined, followed only Charlie D'Amelio, which is a power move. That is a power move. You, Massive you, brand follows a singular creator who happens to be the biggest on the platform. They connect with her and decide to come up with and launch her own signature drink, the Charlie, which we talked about in the intro to this show. So generally, creators have top of funnel. They have the audience and then brands like Dunkin' Donuts have the bottom of the funnel. They have the product that someone's going to buy. That's where it creates this perfect partnership with Charlie D'Amelio, and it does phenomenally well. The day the Charlie launched, they saw a 20% boost in sales on cold brew, and the next day, a 45% boost. She increased like the app downloads of Dunkin' Donuts by 57% on the first day, which is crazy. I happen to have the app. I think it's a great experience. You have, do you have the Chick-fil-A app too? I live across the street from a Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah, and yeah. a Chick-fil-A. Yeah, and a yeah, Chick-fil-A. Yeah. It's difficult Amazing. for me. The reason why this means a lot when it comes to downloads and getting people in the door is lifetime value. Like when you think about how much money do you think you've spent at Dunkin' Donuts? Too much. It's in a your one life. click purchase. I yeah. have the app. I already put my card in. If, to, I'm, if I wake up a little late and I can't make breakfast, oh, all right, let me just click bacon, egg, and cheese. Wow. Plain bagel. Pick it up on my way to work. And even more important is the coffee because it's ritualistic. It's like a daily thing that gets you in the door or gets you to open the app because it is something that people do on a regular basis. So if you convert a 16-year-old to a Dunkin' Donuts consumer, you might carry them into their 30s and 40s. And the, that means the lifetime value of that person that Charlie D'Amelio converted on this one day could be in the tens of thousands, even the hundreds of thousands, if they are with them for their life. And the revenue from that single day or two could be in the millions. When you think about how many locations they have, even if it's a few hundred dollars per location, yeah. perhaps with cold brew sales. Let's say that they all, all 8,500 locations between those two days increased $600. It's an extra $5.1 million across 8,500 locations in 24 to 48 hours. So, so Dunkin' Donuts yeah. likes the partnership with Charlie D'Amelio. Now we read Amanda's article and they've decided to re-up. So the cold foam actually makes a lot of sense to me because it is an additional product to pre-existing products. And you don't have to love the caramel or the, you know, syrups that go into the Charlie. You can just say, I want a plain iced coffee, but then give me a little cold foam. You know, I think it's really smart. Now, Charlie D'Amelio can get you in the door no matter what type of coffee drinker you are. That I think is going to really, really boost sales. So now not only is Dunkin' Donuts working with Charlie D'Amelio, we read that they are also working with their own employees who they noticed were filming TikToks while they were on the job. And the head of brand strategy decided to create a program for these employees and give them a creative brief monthly for 
content they could make around Dunkin' Donuts that they could film while they're at work to share on the Dunkin' Donuts account. Fascinating program. Clearly, it's working. Dunkin' Donuts is the most followed fast food chain on TikTok. What an interesting system that they now have at Dunkin' Donuts. Essentially what this strategy is, is saying, hey, we already have some content marketing people in the building. Like our our employees who are there, they're gonna give you the most like realistic portrayal. So instead of spending on more television ads, more print ads, more billboards, can we shift a small portion of the budget to saying internally, we want to foster some creativity and actually encourage people to be creating on the job and telling stories about what it's like to be at Dunkin', what type of drinks they like to make. You can even unleash secret menu items there. Like there's so much that you can do when you have this base of creators that are in the building every day. So now Dunkin' Donuts is a content studio. And their locations are the sets. Yes, and what's amazing is that you can film with your phone and your actors, your characters are your employees, and their strategy is divided up into quality content and quantity content. So if you look at quality, that's high-priced, less frequent, but they are going to pay them back very well. And then you have the quantity posts, which they're getting from their employees, which are way more affordable, and the payback is potentially more variable, right? Like you take more shots with mm-hmm. those TikTok posts from employees and the effect is not going to be as trackable, I would imagine, as like the Charlie D'Amelio post on TikTok where you can actually see, oh my gosh, this went up this much in sales and our TikTok account grew this much. So that's kind of the strategy and that's a strategy that we have as well. This this podcast, what you see here is like we're recording for an hour and then we'll cut it uh, for YouTube and then we'll cut it down for social and we'll cut it for our Clips channel. And so you take like one piece and go, here's the, here's the one single piece and you cut it down. But additionally, we're talking about another strategy, which is humanization and sensationalization. Sensationalization? That's not a word. We're talking about humanizing a brand and sensationalizing a brand all at the same time. And sensationalizing means making it kind of really like powerful celebrity. And that's Charlie D'Amelio, right? Charlie D'Amelio is the sensation. She won, she just won a kid's choice. She's like the biggest, right? Like 110 million followers on TikTok. So she's at the top. She's the sensation. Now that creates a situation where you have mass amounts of people looking, but like you mentioned, it, it can't be as frequent probably. So you need to fill the room with a lot more content. And that's the humanization of the brand, which is, Hey, here's the actual people in the buildings having fun creating, showing you the drinks, like making the brand feel more human. And then in the middle, so if you think about this as a pyramid with Charlie at the top, all the employees filling out the base, right in the middle is the group of people on TikTok who are aspiring to be like Charlie. And how do you be like Charlie? You drink Dunkin' Donuts and you actually are given like aspiration to be like Charlie. And so that middle is actually your your customers who then walk in the door and they're surrounded by this content ecosystem and now they buy the Charlie and what do they do when they get in the car? They make content with Duncan. And the relatable bottom base is not to be overlooked. It is extremely valuable and influential when you package them all together. I you know remember hearing about Tony Hawk selling skateboards and being on the Powell Peralta skateboard team. And yeah, of course, like Tony Hawk was going to sell a lot of skateboards because he was a star at the time. But there was one skater, I forget his name now, who clearly was not the most skilled, but he had tons of personality and was one of the Mm -hmm. most creative. And he was not going to have all the fanfare, but he ended up over time through their videos, one of the most likable, one of the most famous, and one of the ones who was able to sell eventually a lot of boards. And it wasn't necessarily because he was marketed like the aspirational Tony Hawk, Mm -hmm. or in this case, we're talking about Charlie D'Amelio. 
it was because he was seen as the everyday. And that's kind of the role that these employees are getting to fill in the Dunkin' Donuts TikTok world. Yeah, but they play one additional role, which is being the faces of this brand, being the smiling faces, the people who are having fun, the, the vibe of like, what does the Dunkin' logo mean? They get to help define that because you're getting exclusive access with them. I think what's really cool is you watch them make their favorite foods in the kitchen. They say something like, hey, come to this location and I'll make it for you. It's like, that is so cool. You can you can walk in the door and be like, hey, there's Paul from TikTok. Hey, can you make me that drink? It's like, what? Have you seen the Starbucks employee on TikTok that sings yes. to the customers? Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Humanizes the whole experience, makes you want to go. Now, there's uh, brands that understand the value of this, I think are going to win pretty big. And there have been brands that clearly have not understood this. And I feel like Sherwin-Williams was a case study that I remember being shared around Twitter in what not to do. There was a Sherwin-Williams employee who would mix the paints while he was at mm -hmm. work and post them to TikTok. Great content. Like 1.2 million followers on TikTok, millions of people enjoying the Sherwin-Williams brand, young people who would potentially buy this paint. And he ended up being fired for gross misconduct <laughs> for using the paints in this manner while he was on the job. Clearly, like there was someone there that did not understand the value of what he was doing. He's fired. He ends up getting hired immediately by another paint company. Yeah, of course. Like who wouldn't want that in this day and age? But I guess it's like this a bit of an old school way of thinking of being like, are you using company time to film your own home videos? To expose my brand in a positive light to millions? Yeah. How dare you? Leave. Leave. Gross. I will pay you to leave. Misconduct. Yeah, that, that's wild. I think that's uh, something that we might see more of, but you would think we would see less of. Like more companies might actually not understand this. I mean, we heard today that HBO Max is doing something similar with the TikTok. So like with the TikTok uh, system of, of having their employees become creators, I think that's going to happen a lot. Like companies are media studios, plain and simple. That's the reality today. All companies are media studios. And I think what we're starting to see is some companies are starting as companies who have a product and have their own system, and then they have to become media studios by, you know, accessing talent who are, um, you know, already building a following. And then also now they, they're thinking about building their own talent, or it's all the way on the other side where it's a media studio that has an audience, meaning like an independent creator. Let's take Cody Co as an example, who's built an audience and then launches multiple businesses, his newest one being Mean Mugs which is like an exact extension of the thing he does online, but now it scales beyond him and it's a product offering. So it's coming from both angles. Um, but what, it, what is fascinating is the bigger companies getting into this now. It is going to come though with some bumps in the road. I, I give a lot of credit to the team at Dunkin' Donuts for taking this risk of elevating employees to their TikTok to put them on the national stage. I think when you build creators in-house, you need to make sure that you have a lot of good and clear communication with those creators because it can get really tricky mm -hmm. navigating that relationship as potentially some of these employees start to realize, wait, I'm actually really valuable yeah. right now and I'm communicating your value prop to the masses, but my compensation maybe doesn't necessarily feel like it should be, or even I don't feel like I'm getting treated correctly at, at my job. What happens if one of these employees blows up. What happens if they get millions and millions of followers and start doing brand deals? Do they leave? And that's exactly kind of what we saw with Sherwin-Williams, who did not necessarily see the value of what was happening. And let's say Paul, the employee that I made up, 
is working out of Dunkin' Donuts, making TikToks, gets to 2 million followers, brands start reaching out, he's a part of the TikTok marketplace, starts making more money being a creator. Is that a win for Dunkin'? Like, is that a story they want to tell? Maybe that they turned into like a content accelerator and they like paid your wage to, to help you launch a new career if you excelled in the content creation. Because mm-hmm. maybe there are a few, but maybe it's just such a small amount of that employee pool that turns into a career creator that they're willing to take the risk where they're saying, actually, you know, a lot of other people are just going to exercise creativity and help tell our story and they can make some extra money or have some rewards in the company. And that's great. But it's probably a small percentage that are actually going to turn into Charlie D'Amelio. And if they do, great. They came from the Duncan School of Content. (laughs) The Duncan School of Content. Right? It's worth noting that Duncan Donuts dropped donuts out of their name. Really? Yes, they did. It's just Duncan now. So maybe they got some big plants. Maybe they got some big plants. They've sold a candle before, mm. as well as a, I think, a bed set. Wow. We got, I mean, they dropped yeah. the donuts. Yeah, yeah, they dropped the donuts. Maybe they'll be making movies. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's amazing. McDonald's. They, could, they is- could make movies. That's the crazy thought. If they build enough talent, they could make, I guess, aren't they making movies? They're already making movies. Yeah, aren't they making movies? movies? Okay. Yeah. Movies, yeah. Now, this also brings up Travis Scott, uh, just yeah. quickly, because you and I talked about this, and even though we talked about Travis Scott and McDonald's in the past, we even tried the meal. What we didn't fully know was how much money was made off of the merchandise. So how much was made? McDonald's did a collaboration with Travis Scott where they sold a burger and they also sold merch. Travis Scott made $5 million up front from McDonald's for the deal and then $15 million based off of the merchandise sales. $15 million off of Travis Scott McDonald's merchandise, of which it included a pillow that looked like a chicken nugget. Right. But what it really included was ability to get in an exclusive access to like hype beast culture. Like it, 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 again, it kind of goes back to this thing that we talked about on, on Ian's podcast, Ian Borthwick, you know, from SeatGeek, who I wanted to bring up here or formerly of SeatGeek, sorry. Ian worked at a company and became kind of a creator. Like Ian was at SeatGeek and then developed this brand and identity by showing up in David Dobrik's vlogs. And like, I think he was one of the first people who was a representative of a company that I started to consume as a creator. I think that's a really, you know, interesting thing that he was, he was kind of a pioneer of that. And I don't think they knew exactly what was going on at the time or anticipated him becoming a character in David Dobrik's vlogs, but he did. I mean, a company that's done it really well is Moment, Mm -hmm. who hosts our storytelling course. You look at Caleb and Niles and everyone over there at Moment who've been working there for years as the face of the company, but they don't own the company. And we thought they owned the company. Oh, we totally. We were like, like, this is so cool. Those guys own that company. Yeah. When we first met them, we were like, of course, they're the guys on the YouTube channel. So they own the company. But they're more so like salaried employees. Okay. What's really interesting is actually the sponsor for today's episode is directly in line with what we're talking about. And it's a company that started by a creator named Joseph Andrews. Now, Joseph took to YouTube to start talking about something that he was really interested in, which was hairstyling and men's grooming. So he started this YouTube channel, built a following, talking about other hair products and reviewing other hair products. And then he was actually able to launch his own. And his company today is called Bloomon, and they are the sponsor of today's episode. Their goal is to not only provide an effortless styling experience, but also to prioritize hair health, which is awesome. They break down their products into pre-stylers and post-stylers, which I actually think is very helpful. Especially for people like me. I'm, I'm lost when it comes to hair. Everyone can tell. Yeah, okay, that's rude. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay when I say it, you know. <laughs> so a pre-styler is a product that you put into damp hair and then blow dry it in. And these are the types of products that they gave to you, Colin. They gave you their Ascend Volume Cream and their Monarch Matte 
paste. This is a cream paste product that is actually infused with shea butter. So it smells great. My hair is longer. And so they recommended two products, the cloud control hair oil, which I have in my hair right now, as well as the ascend volume cream. This is going to leave my hair being silky smooth and it's going to lock in flyaways, which I actually have a big problem with. This is a brand that actually watches our channel and is listening. And that's awesome. And them reaching out was really cool, not only because it was a relevant product to us, but also it's a relevant business. It's a creator led business. And those are the types of businesses that we like to integrate into our, our show. So if you are interested in some of Bluemon's hair products, we put a link in the description and you can use our code CAS for 10% when you check out. We also put a link to their YouTube channel in the description. So thanks so much to Bluemon for sponsoring this episode and shout out to Joseph Andrews, their founder, for creating this company and really inspiring us uh, in our endeavors as creators. Okay, so what's interesting about what we just talked about, Bluemon, the sponsor of this, this episode, is that they were a creator-led company that launched a product product. And in this episode, we talked about a product company or, or a restaurant, a services company who then engages creators. What do you think the impact is going to be on the creator economy with bigger and bigger companies? Let's say Coca-Cola launches something like this. Let's say, you know, massive companies, Nike, they start launching like creator networks and creator platforms where they're financing either their employees or other creators to be their faces. Does it limit like creators launching their own businesses? Is it like what, what, what does it do to the creator economy? I've just realized that we're all a part of this attention economy, whether you're Nike or a new creator. Any day, one account can potentially take eyeballs away from another, mm. regardless of whether one is a huge corporation with tons of retail locations or someone in their room with a phone. You want to think we're on like a level playing field. The interesting thing that you're seeing with like Dunkin' Donuts and a company like that when they get into creators is that they already have mass attention and the dollars to get mass attention. But what happens when they start taking dollars continually away from traditional agencies and television and really build out serious infrastructure for digital media distribution? All those companies are going to need pretty quick education on how to become content studios. There's going to be a ton of new jobs. Getting a job at Dunkin' Donuts means that you also could pursue your your creative passion or you could pursue being a creator. Like they're not mutually exclusive. It's it, it's a really interesting time for all of this. I, I wonder if it services the creator middle class that was potentially never interested in becoming full-time creator, but always interested in creating on the side. Like something that I think we find to be really prevalent is that there are a group of people who just want to create, like do their job and then come home and create for fun. And that's their side hustle. Maybe they make some money through, you know, Patreon or, or other ways and have fun creating. Now that income could actually be supplemented by the company you already work at. And I think that's, that's really interesting. When creativity comes into play though, prices vary a lot. The reason that Dunkin' Donuts works at such a global scale is because if there's turnover, if an employee leaves, they have a really good system for training another employee, hiring mm. another employee, and putting them into the exact same spot to do the exact same work. But once you start leaning on the creative uh, muscle of an employee and, and asking them potentially to follow a brief, but put your own spin on it, do your own thing, if that really takes off, their value starts to increase and it's less replaceable. Who owns the content? See, that's what's interesting is that the Dunkin' Donuts employees are posting it on their accounts and then Dunkin' is sort of resharing. resharing. So they're basically creating like user-generated content from their employees, but could Dunkin' then make a commercial out of all of those TikToks? I don't like know. A television they, commercial? Is there a licensing deal between them and the employee? Whoa. 
is it a talent deal now when you sign an employment contract? Like, are you, are you signing away your like talent rights? I, I don't know. Like if it's on company time, maybe that's so crazy to think yeah. about. So I think that's interesting that they actually now can run paid social ads through their employees. They can run television ads through this content that their employees are creating. They can introduce new trends, new drinks. Like, like you mentioned, they could just send out a brief and they could develop like a system online that's our, like essentially, hey, here's request for videos. Anyone who signs up and their videos get approved, get paid a little extra. So you're actually submitting your videos and like teams can maybe are submitting together. And like, it's, it's this world that's turning this creator stuff like on its head a bit. And, like, and do employees have certain types of personality traits or characteristics because that's what they want Dunkin' Donuts to be as opposed to a Wendy's employee who is supposed to like follow yeah. what Wendy's does on Twitter and like sort of make funny jokes at other people. You know what I mean? Like imagine a world where it's like we need to hire the right creators who fit the right personality of the overall brand of this chain. The one thing we didn't talk about here was Beast Burger. And just thinking about the fact that Beast Burger already comes with a cast of characters, right? It's yeah. so interesting. And uh, he's, you know, I'd imagine he's going to start launching burgers with other creators. It's going to be a creator-led food chain. That's essentially what Dunkin' is too. And so like all of these places, I think that the end here, like the, the, the key takeaway is, is every business going to say, yeah, we are a creator-led blank or we are media-led blank, Probably. Yes. Probably. And that's where, you know, you start seeing the opportunity for creators to launch businesses that maybe aren't so wildly unique, right? Beast launching a fast food chain is like, yeah, okay. Fast food chains are some of the businesses with the most amount of distribution. They have infrastructure where you can franchise them. They have this concept that's not wildly unique, but you put a creator spin on it and you say, we are a creator-led food chain. Also, these employees at Dunkin' Donuts who were chosen for the program clearly added value to themselves because of their ability to storytell digitally. Clearly, storytelling online, storytelling through video is something that's really going to be needed and sought after mm. when it comes to educating employees, new yeah. hires, yeah. or just coming out of middle school and high school. Do you have this skill set for storytelling online? I mean, you think about like the way our current high school curriculum is, was to get you a job in the past environment and like become a part of the workforce that was when the curriculum was developed. Today, if you want to become a part of the workforce, you got to also pick up a phone, learn how these algorithms work, learn how to create content, learn what makes good content. That's a crazy thought. So love to hear all of your guys' thoughts. What do you think about this? How, how does this impact the world of creators with Dunkin' Donuts now turning into this media studio? Um, have you tried the Charlie? Tried the Charlie foam? Let us know. And thank you, Blue Mon, for sponsoring the episode. Make sure you subscribe, like, comment, and we will see you next week right here on The Colin and Smear Show. <laughs>